1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, episode 18, Steelers 28, Browns 24, a belated Christmas gift from Cleveland. I was really not looking forward to this game, not because I thought the Steelers would easily beat the spread, which they didn't, but it also had meaning because we wanted to sequester our stars from injury. And I would say that that was the one beneficial uh, outcome of this game. This is Tom at the Washington, D.C. Outpost. I'm joined by Nick once again, holding down the fort at our Southern Outpost in Houston. Hey, Nick.
2: Hey, how's it going, everybody? It looks like Tomlin made the right decision in retrospect to to keep the stars out as the Patriots did their job and crushed the <clears throat> the uh, elementary school B-team Jets led by Bryce Petty. And so even if winning this Browns game wouldn't have done anything for our standings anyway, so it's nice to head into the playoffs with the killer bees may be healthy. Let's hope that a B gets back in shape, but he was running on the treadmill looking like a Greek God today had some videos out of that. So let's hope he's better. But, um, there was a, it was a much better day of football than we expected. Actually, obviously there are some problems, but basically for everybody who saw it or anybody who didn't see it, the Steelers locked up a 13 and three record, which is the best record in quite a few years here. Um, by beating the Browns or by the Browns beating themselves and the Steelers being there. It was a little bit of a deja vu from last year. It's like a Landry's annual tradition is the week 17 beating of the Browns. As the Browns will brown no matter what week it is and they browned hard as hell this year going 0 and 16 locking that up with some colossal flubs. But Landry and the Steelman actually they 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 offensively played pretty well and it was like i said it's surprisingly more fun to watch than you would think but let's not get things twisted or confused the browns lost this game let's jump into the three themes for the game number one
1: demonstrating solid offensive depth you just mentioned landry as exhibit a
2: yeah landry is the whipping child for the Steelers fans who somehow expect Landry to be as good as Ben or something like that. But he's shown that he's a a good number two quarterback. Nobody on earth could ever confuse him for a number one because he's just not. He's good for a couple boneheaded mistakes every game. But, man, he played really well. We're going to get more into his performance later. Obviously, this is another really encouraging week of, like, the backup stepping up, particularly with A.B. being out and the receivers playing well. Running backs are playing well uh, despite the injuries to there. So this and the backup offensive line besides the center plays pretty well. So really encouraging. This looks finally like the year where the offensive juggernaut actually has some depth and the train kept it rolling.
1: One point of dis- dispute with you, uh, Landry could start on several NFL teams. Have you looked at who played yesterday? That's yes, well. This, how about our opponent? Kaiser
2: played, and so did Brace Petty. Mentioning okay. him, but look how well those teams did.
1: All right, theme number two: the defense is sorely deficient for this playoff run, and not armed.
2: That would be. the I should say I take it back. Character. We are
1: armed. It's execution.
2: Well, I don't know. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about the defense. I think everybody does. It is a full-fledged disaster. Absolute disaster. We'll we'll get into the details later, but I think a lot of people, that's the only thing people will take from this game. You know, who cares if we won? Doesn't matter anyways. You had Landry in there. Even if you lost, playoff seed stays the same. But what did matter is this is the defense that we're taking into the playoffs. Now, you get to add Cam Hayward, but I don't think he's going to be making any tackles from the safety position. So we are on red, red red, deep, chartreuse, burgundy alert now with the defense because it is bad.
1: Theme number three, Cleveland is suicidal. They yeah. shot themselves in the foot more times than you could count. Actually, did count them, but they didn't even need to lose. They just wanted the record. They already had their number one pick, and what do they have, a, a number four pick or number six, uh, First round? I think round they pick have
2: every other pick in the first round, I think. That's well played. I think Hugh Jackson said – for the second consecutive year, like he said, or he said something like, "If we go zero sixteen, I'm gonna jump into Lake Erie in the winter," which would obviously kill him. But uh, I am interested to see if he does that. The Browns are gonna brown. You can't stop them from browning. <laughs> so many, so many terrible plays by them, particularly by their fake quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, who, by the way, is not a quarterback. He's just. A big guy who got – who's mildly athletic, who somewhere along the line got put at quarterback. Now, I'm taking this from one of the best podcasts out of there, Sims and Lefko podcast, when they talk about hashtag fake QBs. So everybody, name some other fake QBs. <clears throat> Blake Bortles, Deshaun Kaiser. hashtag that on Twitter, add it to the movement. This is just a dude who got – he can sort of throw. A lot of people can throw. Antonio Brown can throw. I can throw. But that doesn't make you an NFL quarterback. The guy throws more balls into the dirt than anybody I've ever seen in an NFL game, and they just keep letting him throw into the dirt. He's horrendous. The Browns are horrendous, and uh, plenty of mistakes from their side. So just so, a little little yeah, tidbit sorry.
1: factoid from from you. Uh, just read this quote. When is he going to jump in? He said, "That's going to be at my convenience, and hopefully, I can get a lot of people to come out. It'd be something that we're going to make special."
2: This is the one thing they have control over, it sounds like. Poor Hugh. You you feel bad for the guy. I don't know why, even though he's 1-31 right now.
1: Let's move into the positional grades for the game, and we'll start with the offensive grades.
2: Offensive grades.
1: Offense. uh, 348 total yards, 224 in the air, 124 on the ground. We were only 3-for-10 on third downs and 1-for-2 in the red zone with uh, that awful, awful stop. Just getting
2: stuffed at the one-yard line by the Browns by running it up the middle three times in a row. So it's kind of encouraging because you saw what a good game Landry had. I felt like the Riddler had a good game as well. And obviously the Prince of Pittsburgh, Juju, played well. So there's a lot of encouraging things about the offense from a depth perspective. Very encouraging even the backup linemen. But at the same time, they scored a bunch of times, moved the ball up and down the field at will in the first half, and they didn't score a single point in the second half. We had Juju's touchdown uh, on the kickoff was the the only score we had in the second half, and then after that it was a bunch of punts and turnovers on downs that were mostly a result of our emergency third-string center, Chris Hubbard, who's been playing tackle all year and – I guess not snapping enough in practice. You didn't expect him to get thrust into Ashton, but he had three bad snaps and those all kind of killed the drives. So um, it is a little bit hard to judge them from that point. But at the same time, we were talking about before, do we grade on a curve because Landry, because you don't have the killer bees in there, but we've decided the standard is the damn standard. So you only score 21 points against the Browns. He didn't score in the second half. Didn't do well situationally in the red zone or third down. There's a lot of encouraging things. But overall, we got to give him a grade of B. Moving on to Landry
1: specifically. Landry was a, an incredible 23 for 27 for an 85% completion rate, 239 yards, one TD, one interceptions, one interception. So mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. He played a really great game. Like the thing about Landry – is if you're going to play him for a whole game, he's he's going to throw an interception and he's going to fumble. He had that fumble as well. I guess it didn't get ruled as an interception, but the pocket was closing around him and he just didn't really have the wherewithal to realize, like, you got to bring the ball in close or get rid of it. So those were the only two black marks I can see on him all day. He was aggressive. I thought he moved well in the pocket. He was shuffling around. He looked super comfortable in the offense. He was calling audibles. He, the touchdown to Juju on that little corner route in the red zone, or just outside the red zone, it was inaudible because he saw the safety was coming down and blitzing. And he said, I know what's about to happen. I'm going to change the play up real quick. And he did, and we scored a touchdown. So I thought that Landry had a great game, and, and I'm glad that we have some continuity there. Hopefully we won't see him again this season. I don't think we will. So overall, dude threw four incomplete passes in the whole game. He gets a grade of a minus a
1: minus moving on to the running backs 28 carries 124 yards for a 4.4 yards per carry and two touchdowns i am uh, really gratified to see the emergence of the riddler steve ridley 17 <laughs> carries for 80 yards 4.7 uh Toussaint saint also got five carries in 22 yards so a nice uh yards per carry for both of those guys
2: Yeah, and Fitz, a.k.a. the Fumbler. I really do like the Fumbler, Fitzgerald. We got the Fumbler and the Riddler. The Fumbler and the Riddler backing up the Great Hesitator. So I actually like the Fumbler. He does some really good things, except for that time when he fumbled in the AFC Divisional playoff game in the fourth quarter of one-score again that we were leading, and then we subsequently lost and were knocked out of the playoffs. That was bad. But other than that, he catches the ball really well out of the backfield. My favorite play of this game... That's an exaggeration. But a play that I liked was the first third down we faced of the game where Landry went through his progressions, which he did a lot of times, looking from his first, second, third receiver, and eventually found Fitz in the flat, who was covered pretty well but had a step on the guy, hit him perfectly in the stride, and Fitz got the first down. So I like what he does. And the Riddler, the dude runs with some passion. He hits that hole nice. We, we lucked out. This is no Ben Tate signing from years past or – Know, Jordan Todman, but, uh, and, and he's an uh, upgrade from the fumbler from a running perspective. But like I said, the fumbler's got some versatility. It's it's encouraging to have those guys backing up Le'Veon. We're going to give him a grade of A. Hey.
1: Wide receivers. I just wanted to note that we uh, Landry hit eight different receivers. We are just going to rate the wide receivers in this category. Mm-hmm. 16 receptions, 209 yards. Juju had nine of those for 143 yards. Marty had uh, more than his normal or usual number of receptions. He had six. He had 65 mm-hmm. yards. Juju notably had a long pass of 46 yards. Also, okay. this is this is a, a testament to both the receivers and to Landry. Juju had was targeted 10 times, caught nine of them, and Marty was targeted seven times and caught six of them. So really wow. nice completion ratio.
2: Yeah, it looks like two things. One thing is we're watching Juju become a star in the NFL. My comparison to him, he's kind of like a mold of Anquan Bolden. A lot of people have said that. A strong, not a super speed guy, but super strong, sure-handed. Anquan Bolden, Heinz Ward, where we talk about it's not like these spectacular catches like you see Antonio Brown make, but just so solid, runs great routes, and just – Volume catcher. He's he, he's a strong guy who knows how to maneuver on the football field. And then he has a little Steve Smith in him, I think. Not the long st- speed of Smith, but breaking tackles and stiff-arming people. It's it's awesome to see the way he's playing. And that one deep catch on the 46-yarder where he was draped on by uh, Brown's cornerback, it was McCourty or something. Um, What a beautiful catch, like by his fingertips. He's becoming a star. It looks like Marty... His role is firmly planted. He's, you know, four to six catches for 60 to 70 yards. And I think that's a really great place for him to be because I think he's got a couple deep plays left in him for this season. But the offensive players have roles. And when the superstars are out, their backups come in and they kind of fill in for him. I really liked how they played today. Obviously, the juju thing makes it an awesome day. So we're giving the receivers a grade of A+.
1: We won't spend a lot of time on the offensive line. I'll just note again: 124 yards rushing at a 4.4 average. Uh, Landry got pretty good protection, although he was sacked three times. I think you pointed out earlier there were a lot, a lot of difficulties at center with Hubbard. Uh, probably the first time he's snapped since ever.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but we're good. probably yeah, made it, mental. He probably went right.
1: through mental snaps.
2: Those are crucial too. But they don't really get the job done on the field, as we saw by his multiple terrible snaps. O line gets a grade of A minus. A-.
1: Moving on to the tight ends who are somewhat non-existent during this four receptions for sixteen yards. I really uh, I thought they did an adequate job of blocking, but didn't have an impact on the game. We're gonna give the tight ends a C plus, not because of their performance but sort of their lack of opportunity. Now Let's we're gonna move on to move Mike into T, huh? The, well, we're gonna move into the coaching grades.
2: Coaches. Okay, Mike Tomlin, let's just put this into the broadest picture as we can. Here's the theme of the game. We're going to say the positive first because we're positive guys. Guess what? Steelers won 13-3. and three. Bunch of depth players played great. You brought in a Riddler, Stephen Ridley, who turned out to be a good acquisition late in the season. And overall, the team looks like it still has the same rhythm. Now, conversely, it still has the same rhythm defensively, which is an absolute barn fire, dumpster fire, forest fire of crap. So we got to put that on you too. But that being said, found another way to win the game. Mike Tomlin gets a grade of B
1: minus. B minus. Moving this on to Todd Haley. I think uh, the offensive recap we give sort of reflects – Todd Haley's role in um, the offense this time. Mm-hmm. Any comments? Here's what I'll
2: say. Here's what I'll say with Todd. He was aggressive. I like how he called, He didn't you know, sh- shorten or thin out the playbook for Landry. I think that the offense got kind of screwed in the second half when you look at those plays by all those bad snaps, which kind of killed the drives in the second half. Um, I did not like that series of calls at the goal line, though. That was kind of weird. We're going to give Todd a grade of B. Which takes us to Keith Butler. Yes.
1: This, unlike his offensive counterpart, Keith had all of his starters except for Cam Hayward. There was right. no excuse for letting the, for letting, uh, who did we play? Cleveland score 24 points. They scored 28 points earlier in the season against Indy, Indianapolis, and they had another 24 point game. That's ridiculous. Uh, a lot, several more splash plays, which we'll get into when we talk about the defense, but. He's got to figure this out.
2: I don't know if he's going to, honestly. Um, let's say we'll, we'll, we'll talk more specifically about the defense, I guess, once we get to the defensive section. But this guy cannot fix the same problems that happen over and over and over and over and over again, no matter who we play. The deep passes, we just pencil the other team in for a minimum of one, a minimum of one yard pass per game. We got gashed by the same plays over and over again by the Browns. They just ran that little screen to the left side. You can't make an adjustment for that at all. I mean, Keith Butler has me worried. And on top of the fact that, listen, I, I'm i worried about Artie Burns, Bud Dupree, and Sean Davis. I think Artie's showing the most improvement out of all of them. Bud is, I think he's pretty much maxed out. He, he, I mean, he is what he is. He's a... He is a more athletic Jarvis Jones. He has more sacks, but they're all hustle sacks. So obviously, I, I do think he's better than Jarvis, but that's really not saying a lot, is it? And then Sean Davis just continues his brutal second half to this year. And I I why can't you develop, guys? So Keith Butler is infuriating. I I like how the Steelers. Are a smart franchise to keep continuity. You can't freak out and burn the bridge down and fire coaches once they don't have a good game. But he has a season under his belt now of some pretty questionable stuff. And uh, yeah, let's let's hope he can get the job done in the in the postseason. <laughs> Even if we win the Super Bowl, which I expect us to do, I don't know if I want him back again
1: we give we give Butler a D minus. D-. We're going to move on to the defensive grades. Defensive Defense. Defense gave up 374 total yards, making Cleveland on paper look like a, a shining star on the hill. 272 yards in the air, 102 on the ground. They were 7 for 15 third down conversions. Although we did sack them 6 times and we hit the quarterback. We had 10 quarterback hits and 11 tackles for losses. So, uh, they did some they did some good. Uh, I guess I it's say, a good
2: time to mention the positive, right? What were we going to say? I'm sorry.
1: That was where I guess for the positives. The other positive. Was there is a positive that we got tendencies.
2: to. Uh, well, we got to 56 sacks, which is the Steelers' all-time record for a single season in sacks. That's cool. Uh, obviously, Deshaun Kaiser. When you play him, he helps out with a lot of those by holding the ball for an obscenely long time, doing God knows what. I have no idea what goes through that man's brain. And he threw so many passes into the dirt, and he missed a wide-open fullback in the end zone for a touchdown that any other quarterback in the league hits. I mean, there were points left on the field. They can't tackle. The outside linebackers can't contain. Chicolo. brutal day with containment. The inside linebackers are slow and unathletic as hell. I mean, it sucks to go from the most athletic middle linebacker in the league— to having a very set of unathletic, a very unathletic set of inside linebackers, and the safeties can't freaking tackle, particularly Sean Davis. That slant pattern that they took 50 yards to the house for a touchdown. They had TJ Watt lined up on the guy. He beat TJ, and then Sean just didn't even get close to making the tackle. So many issues with this defense. Joe Hayden. Well, we'll, we'll get into Joe Hayden later, won't we? But I. I'm at a loss for words.
1: Well, they, Njoko had you know, a 34-yard reception where Hayden Hayden had broken down already. He was right in front of them, and Njoko jerked left, and told, and um, Hayden totally whiffed on him.
2: Well, we'll get to that more in the cornerback's grade, but there's some there's some big problems going on here with the defense. we got to give All them right. a grade of D minus. D
1: minus. Uh, the defensive line, which we are very high on. 15 tackles, yeah. three sacks, three quarterback hits. Alu-Alu gets yes. two of those three. Uh, I think there was good pressure on Kaiser all day, although Kaiser proved elusive. I'll do a little more about him at the end of the defensive grades.
2: alu, alu had an awesome day. I, and is it Alu-Alu or alu, alu All the announcers keep saying Alu-Alu. I prefer alu, alu So that's what we're going with, dude. He It's like Palomalu. I mean, you can, I there are some people that call him Palomalu or Palomalu. How do you not know, know Troy Pomalu's name, you peasant heathen? Hate it. But Alu he played great. And uh, you're right. The defensive line was the bright spot. We're going to give them a grade of A. So moving on to the inside
1: linebackers. We had 10 tackles. Vince Williams had a sack, and there were three quarterback hits. But it seemed uh, a lot of gash plays again by the um, brownies, running backs, yeah.
2: Yeah, particularly the screens that we have slow on athletic uh, inside linebackers. It's a huge problem, so we're giving them a grade of C. C.
1: Because the outside linebackers who also had ten uh, tackles, one sack by T.J. Watt and two quarterback hits. Interestingly, go search for Bud Dupree's name in the in uh, the stats. He didn't register a single tackle, even a penalty. That's not good, is it? He's not good. Cool.
2: I don't like that. Uh, I I do still have hope for TJ for the future, and it was cool to see him run down Kaiser. It was almost a mirror image of him running down Flacco at the end of that Ravens game. So that's cool. I mean, he's an athlete. He looks like he has a few more pass rush moves. But listen, all the talk in the news this week is about losing Harrison, who, of course, went to (laughs) New England and promptly had two sacks and five tackles and, and had a pretty good game. Uh, And the reason why he's not in Pittsburgh is because we drop those outside linebackers an insane amount of the time. TJ Watt drops more than any other linebacker in the league by a a mile, by a thousand miles. So you don't get a ton of opportunities to rush the quarterback, but I like what I see from him. But, man, you don't even ever depress yourself with the illusion that he's going to get pressure on the quarterback unless it's on a stunt and he comes open. But... At least when he does come open, he's he's athletic enough to chase people down, even though he only makes the tackle about fifty percent of the time.
1: So giving the outside linebackers a D plus. Cornerbacks, plus. twelve tackles, one quarterback hit, and a tackle for loss. I would say that the most positive play was after we had Duke Johnson have a 32 yard pass yes. uh, reception. Will Gay dislodged the ball like a like with the a judo, judo chop. Running through a wheat field.
2: Big judo play, chop. Will Gay. Hit him with the judo chop. That was so cool. That was a nice opportunistic play by big play, Will Gay. Man, Joe Hayden had a rough day. That first long pass to Josh Gordon that got them down to like the three-yard line, he, he whiffed badly on that coverage. He got caught peeking into the backfield, and Gordon, Flash Gordon, got behind him. And uh, made a nice big catch. And then he had another missed tackle. He had that play that you referenced with Njoku. Artie, he's been... I i, I talked crap about him earlier, but he is having a snail-like pace on improving. But it, the arrow does go upward with him. He hasn't let up a huge pass recently. And I, I do see him closer to receivers when he's covering them. But he had some opportunities to make some big breaks on the ball, and he didn't do it. But... I'll, I'll take that with him right now because traditionally when he makes those big breaks, they usually get seven-yard touchdowns. Look, Will Gay giveth and Will Gay
1: taketh away. I just want to mention when the when the Browns had the ball third quarter four, at the four-yard line when Rashard Higgins ran the ball in, I'm not even sure Higgins made a fake. Will Will went to the right or yeah. fell asleep or something, and it was an easy pass for a touchdown. The other thing is the two dropped interceptions, one yes. by the Silver Bullet, Mike Hilton, and the other one by Joe Hayden. Silver this bullet is does not wrong. A pattern, and most troubling is the five passes for over twenty yards. Two of those for over fifty yards. There's no, we're not even playing the bend don't break anymore.
2: Yeah, and one of those fifty yarders is really on the safeties for Sean Davis not making the tackle on that slant. You know, no corner could have made that play. But yeah. like I said before, the one to Flash Gordon, Josh Gordon, was definitely Hayden's fault. The silver bullets. He made an awesome break on the ball in that one play, but man, like they can't even get the good plays right. And they dropped the interception there. And Hayden made a nice break on the ball, and he dropped his interception. So, man, they're, they're brutal. They're definitely something to be worried about. Hopefully, Hayden bounces back from that game. We're going to give him a grade of D minus. D-.
1: And finally, the safeties you were mentioning four tackles, one sack, one quarterback hit. I think the positives there were Sean Davis's interception. I could have caught that one. Probably. Yep. <laughs> but good. He didn't drop it. And Mike Mitchell did recover the uh fumble created by Will Gay.
2: Can we trade him dropping that interception um for catching the Patriots interception that he should have had? There's some sort of deal, back alley sorcerer deal we can make for that? I don't know. I'd take it. Yeah, they they can't tackle and they're not very fast.
1: So we give the safeties a D. D-
2: yeah. So in
1: retrospect, we won the game and nobody got hurt. I think it was a victory. But uh, again, the defense well, so exposed, we did especially Finney. against a team like this. What, what's so I haven't heard the latest on Finney.
2: Yeah, I haven't heard yet either. I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out, there'll be some some news on it. But it kind of proof of concept, right? Ben Le'Veon and the boys weren't in there to even have that happen. So probably a good decision. Listen, there's actually a lot of positives on this. Game, I think it it just it, – it didn't tell us anything new. It reaffirmed what this team is, which we've been saying for the past few weeks, is an offensive juggernaut that now has the depth behind some of the star players that is really necessary. That's such like a Patriots thing to have those random key role guys who are going to do something in the playoffs for you. Looks like we have that. Finally have the Robin to, to AB's Batman with Juju and you know once he has a great number 2 receiver the, the things that AB does are even more amazing and we're just going to have to outscore every team we play in the playoffs and we absolutely have the ability to do that and have the ability to lose as well so hopefully they clean up some of this defensive stuff but it was cool to see Landry lead the team to a victory and I thought that he did a great job and those offensive guys were were composed and outside of those fumbled snaps they did a pretty good job
1: So let's move on to the five
2: pivotal plays. Five pivotal plays. So the most important play in the game is the ESPN highlight of the microcosm of the Browns franchise ever since they returned to Cleveland. Corey Coleman's dropped pass on fourth and two with 146 left to go in the game on the Steelers 27 driving down by four it looks like this drive is inevitably going to end up in the end zone, especially after the shown fake quarterback Kaiser evades a rush, throws it directly to an uncovered Corey Coleman, where the ball slides through his hands and hits him in the face and goes out of bounds. And then Mike Mitchell levels him and tries to help him up. But that's the game right there. Corey Coleman.
1: That'll be forever seared in, uh, in uh, Cleveland Browns history. Uh, yeah. Pivotal play number two, Juju the manchild's 95-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Yes. The first such kickoff return since 2010, done by none other than Antonio Brown in his rookie year.
2: Yeah, can you believe that? That It's been since 2010 since we've had a kick return for a touchdown. It feels like it's been since 2010 since we've had a kick return over 40 yards. But uh pretty amazing run back by the new Prince of Pittsburgh – Juju breaking tackles and then throwing a little uh, little stiff arm of death. Yeah, page from the Le'Veon playbook. They've been hanging out a lot. Obviously, he picked up the stiff arm of death. It's so funny when when Juju has long runs because he's not he's not really fast. He's just a, he's something about him is a, he he'd survive in the wild like he, the he knows how to weave. When there's danger around him, he seems to always escape. But he's a strong runner and he's got great endurance, I'd say, because I see on the end of a lot of his long runs this year, um, the defense backs kind of pull up at the end. You know, you just can't stop the Prince of Pittsburgh.
1: So if you were uh, watching the game, you heard the statistic by the ESPN pencil neck geeks who noted that the last time the Steelers scored both a receiving touchdown and a kickoff return touchdown one in 1963 by one player, by none other than Gary Ballman. And Ballman is so appropriate because Gary was a prolific player that the Steelers let go after six years on the team. Damn it. So I did a little research. If you uh, stack up the five, I'm sorry, six years that Gary was on the team to Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown, he actually has – a lot more yards per reception. Hines had a 12 yards per catch. Antonio, 13. Gary Ballman, 19.1 yards per
2: reception. <laughs> the ballman, he's going deep. This is a different his, time. <laughs>
1: His, yeah, but he had these modern-day statistics. He, had, he only had 3,000 – well, only. He had 3,000 yards, so he didn't – and he right. played a lot fewer games in that time than the other, than right. Hines and Antonio did. Anyway, I'll put the little – I'll put the stat up on the oh, website. Man, we you were obsessing over
2: that kind of <laughs> in a funny way during that game. Just I've never heard that guy's name before, and the Prince of Pittsburgh equaled his record. We had to dig into it. But that's what it used to be back then. There was no West Coast offense. There were no screen passes. That was viewed as weak. Or just maybe nobody thought of it yet. But still, they used to just pound the ball and chuck it deep all day long. So, the ball man. Well, when you see his pleasure, picture,
1: you. you'll be able to guess what year he's from just from the picture. Classic. Flat top. Yeah. Line. Flat top. Beautiful.
2: So, let's move on to the pivotal plays. Let's go to pivotal play number three. That's the annual DHB touchdown on a wide receiver reverse. It was crazy. came around. Uh, those reverses, by the way, They've been working better for the Steelers recently. They they will always make me nervous just because the risk-reward seems disproportionate because if you fail on the reverse, you lose 10 yards and your drive's basically over. But that dude knows how to run a reverse. It looked just like his touchdown against the Dolphins from last year in our first meeting. And he did a little bit of weaving of his own, stopped on a dime, cut uh, cut it upfield, and showed that he still got some wheels. And it was nice to get a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Good for DHB. Got a little tutty this year
1: it'll play number four. This is the incident where the Steelers were unable to score from the one-yard line. Let me just set this up for you because it's it's more disappointing given the fact that after a 65-yard drive, the ball on the Cleveland nine, it's fourth and three. We're going for a field goal when Cleveland goes offside, giving us an early a late Christmas present. So now we have first and goal from the four. And if I may, just regale you with the slugfest. So to Saint Gains 3, gets the yard, gets the ball to the 1-yard line. Then in an effort of futility, um no gain, no gain, and negative negative 1 yards. So we give the ball up on downs.
2: Yeah, they handed the ball to Rosie two times in a row in a fullback dive. Got a little cute with that. It worked last week. He he is not a runner. <laughs> the guy tried to drive his He's legs, and he just fell right down. Yeah, so that uh that was an indictment on the offense. And I think the coordinator a little bit, cause they, all you do is run directly up the middle three times in a row, you know, Cleveland's going to, or four times in a row, Cleveland's going to take their chances. Just trying to, trying to rough that up. So that was bad. Um, we're going to, we're going to lump those all into one play. So pivotal play. Number five is another example of the Browns Browning. And that's miles Garrett's roughing the passer penalty. um, basically the Steelers were driving It was third and three from the Cleveland nine in the second quarter. Um, I think it was an incompletion. He Landry overthrew Eli Rogers, but then Miles Garrett hits Landry after he throws it. The announcers were really mad. They said it was a terrible call. The guy said, I don't know if it was terrible, but it could, it could go either way. Maybe, I don't know. But regardless, that was, I think the first or second of the two times when the steel, the Browns made a stop on third down and then subsequently get a penalty to give us a first down in the red zone. So the Riddler, scored shortly after so why don't
1: we wrap up here with a little preview of what may be coming at us in the playoffs
2: yeah so here we go wild card weekend we do not have to participate ladies and gentlemen watch a b go to mock one or mocks i don't know how many mocks is fast but we'll go to mock something on that treadmill and hopefully get back up in action So the wild card weekend is another dumpster full of crap because somehow the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans managed to squeak into the playoffs. Although, two things on the Bills. You know, the way that they got in was by the Bengals and the Red Rifle pulling off a last-second miracle against the Ravens. So the Ravens were up by three points, fourth quarter. There's like a minute left. Bengals have the ball around the 50-yard line fourth and 12 all the Ravens have to do is stop them there and they go to the playoffs the red rifle completes it to university of Pittsburgh graduate Tyler Boyd for a touchdown the Ravens lose the game which also subsequently sends the Buffalo Bills aka the team in all of American sports the major sports with the longest playoff drought it was like 17 years And that gets them in the playoffs. And there's an awesome video online of a fan, like a bunch of fans at some sort of—I don't even know—they're congregated somewhere with a bunch of TVs. Gotta assume it's a bar, and they go insane when, when the uh, the Bengals win that game. So that was kind of funny. Um, I think a lot. The Browns
1: replace the um, Bills for futility for playoffs. Yeah, it's
2: funny because you would you would put the. I think they do. Yeah, and but but at the same time even though they haven't gotten to the to the playoffs, they've gotten to the playoffs more recently the Bills is like I mean it's the Browns. They they always have the title. Now it's now it's just official. So, Ravens and Bengals are not in the playoffs. It is kind of a bummer cuz you would like to see the Ravens. They just have something against the Patriots they might be able to beat them, but I don't think that was going to happen this year. So, basically what's going to happen is the Steelers are going to play on Sunday of the divisional round and we will play Jacksonville if they win, which is very likely because Jacksonville is playing Buffalo. Or if Jacksonville does not prevail, then we will put the winner of the Tennessee Kansas city game, both teams who we shall Obviously the Kansas city game was closer, but it, it, I think we would annihilate those guys at this point. Can we get um, 92 back for that game? We're playing Kansas city. <laughs> Damn it. been
1: the a the- secret sauce.
2: The cheese kryptonite is over there. Freaking double agent. I'm still holding out hope that he's just a double agent for us on, on the Patriots, and he's going to feed us all of their playbook information. Which they all right, everybody, is there. that is
1: a wrap for this week. We hope for the Steelers to sit in the hot tub, sit in the cold tub, do a lot of mental snaps, and get healthy. Uh, we've, got, we've got two weeks to get her done.
2: Yeah, no cheese doodles for Ben. If anybody knows him, please send the message. Let's do some celery, maybe some white meat. Keep it classy. So we'll
1: be back next Monday with a little preview when we know more when the playoff picture becomes clear. Until then, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to our inevitable, glorious Super Bowl run. All right, everybody, we're out of here.
2: Okay, bye bye.
1: Indeed.com
2: slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.